Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood, a retired submarine officer. I'm also a private pilot, martial artist, engineer, and a lifelong fan of science fiction and fantasy. I've written and published dozens of stories across the entire spectrum of speculative fiction. So sit back, let your mind wander through realms of adventure as I tell you a story. Hey friends, Michael Kingswood, and it's story time again. Uh, as I said, uh, last week didn't have time to do a uh, new reading because uh, I was up for a writing workshop. I'm currently still in Oregon, but the writing workshop is done. Uh, anyway, it's a, what it was is a workshop up here set up on the Oregon coast uh, by the a couple of... Uh, really long-term professional fiction writers, Dean and Chris, who uh, have their own publishing company up here, and they, uh, among other things, do a uh, anthology every two months that's called Fiction River. And every year they have these workshops here where they give uh, six weeks of writing assignments, and people turn in uh, six stories, and then they go through them all and tell everyone what they think, and uh, they hire out uh, four other editors, too. Uh, tell everyone what they think, and uh, then pick stories to buy to go in the anthologies. And uh, last year I went to this, and it was pretty cool. Learned a lot, sold a story. This year it came up, it was pretty cool, learned a lot. Didn't sell a story, but oh well, come up here to learn anyway. And I got a bunch of other stories that I'm going to now send off to various places, see if they'll pick them up, and eventually maybe just put them up myself. Anyway, uh, anyway, we finished up this morning. It's Saturday afternoon now, about 3.30, and... And it's like, well, I'm flying home tomorrow and going back to work on Monday, so I better get the story for this week done now. And so I'm going to, uh, this is, you can see the end, uh, the end of that is pretty cool blend. It's called the, uh, the Historic Anchor Inn. It's in Lincoln City, Oregon. Uh, you can kind of see things. I always got these really cool decorations. Every room is decorated a little bit differently, a little, little unique. And, uh, the actual bedroom here it's actually got little glowing things up in the up in the ceiling look like stars he's got it painted so you can glow in the dark paint so you can see stars and the milky way over your head at night and that's kind of cool and downstairs just chock full of great little keepsakes and really all over this place it's pretty awesome anyway so this week gonna uh, go through a story of mine that I wrote to uh, what 2013, so what, four years, jeez, five years ago now, called uh, Brother-in-Law, Brother-in-Blood. This is one that I actually uh, made into an audiobook a few years back um, with a professional reader, but uh, it was an experiment, and back when uh, Amazon, audio, uh, Amazon Audible and their audiobook creation exchange was still first getting rolling, and then they uh, were changing some of the contract terms uh, to, to change the the royalty rates and I rushed to get a few things done just to see how it worked before the royalty rates changed too much and I wasn't thinking at the time just made it there was no other real option for how to do audiobooks on your own at that point so I just made it exclusive to them so I can't really take that audio and do anything with it until the exclusivity uh, time is up which was seven years so I've got another two or three years left on that which is annoying but it is what it is 
Uh, so I guess I'm going to have to read this one myself again. More the pity for you. But, um, yeah, that's why you come here for, right? Anyway, so let me go get the story out, and we'll get started reading here in just a second. Hopefully you dig it. The concept of the story is, uh, it's kind of a, I, I, find, I think it's a little amusing, the, the meat of the story. Uh, it's about how this guy convinced his girl's brother that he was actually a good guy, and maybe they should get together. And you'll see, you can see what you think of it. Back in just a sec. Okay, Brother-in-Law, Brother-in-Blood, by me. The city folk stood in a wide semicircle around the edge of the bay, all eyes on the great pyre the workmen had been building for most of the previous week. Simply made, it had been nevertheless been crafted with all the care a man puts into building his own home. For there, this night, they would light the fire of remembrance, to honor those who had gone before, and particularly those who had fought and died, so they could remain safe and free. They stood silently, the reverence of the occasion, muting the natural conversations that would tend to crop up in a crowd of many hundreds. Near the lapping waves of the bay on the rightmost end of the circle stood a man of medium height, with short-cut black hair and a closely trimmed beard that was broken by a scar that ran down the left side of his jaw. He wore well-cut clothing that was elegant in its simplicity, and a black-furred cloak to wore off the early spring chill. At his side was a slender woman who stood perhaps a finger's breadth taller than he. She was blonde, beautiful, and dressed as he was, simply, but in clothing of obvious quality. A small gap separated them from the other city folk, though, as the couple looked at the people around them, there was no animosity there, just an unspoken respect that bade the people give them some room, however unasked for the favor was. At first, the deference they showed him and Talia, after the revolution, made Glover uncomfortable. He had tried to stop it, to make them realize that she and he were no different than they. That had any of them been in his or Talia's shoes during those terrible days, they would have made the same choices. But to no avail, they insisted on treating him like a hero, and her like the mother of liberty herself. Never mind that the real hero was her brother. At least Glover had been able to avoid being elected mayor. Some damn fools wanted to rope him into that, despite his protests to the contrary. Fortunately, Higgins was more than happy to stand for election. Even more fortunately, he won. Glover looked away from the pyre and the carved figures of the honored dead at its top and found Higgins at the center of the semicircle, talking with the high priest and making final preparations for the ceremony. As always, for these sorts of events, Higgins wore the mayor's purple frock and carried the rod of office cradled on his forearm and elbow. The high priest, naturally, was clad in gold-trimmed white robes and carried a gnarled staff that was taller than he. The pair nodded to each other, and the high priest strode forward toward the pyre. The crowd, already silent, somehow became even quieter. Even the babies at their mother's breasts ceased their whimpers. For a long moment, as the holy man took his place before the pyre, the only sound was the lapping of the waves and the breeze in the trees, along with the buzzing of evening insects. The high priest turned to face the crowd and raised his hands above his head. Brothers and sisters, he intoned, let us pray. 
all bowed their heads and communing with the Creator silently in his or her own thoughts for a long moment. When they looked up, Mayor Higgins had joined the high priest before the pyre. Fellow citizens, Higgins said in a deep voice that carried across to the entire crowd easily, on this, the sixth new spring since the treaty, let us renew our resolve to remember our honored friends and family who went before and the sacrifices they made so that we can now know peace, safety, and freedom. In this new era that they helped usher in, let us always remember the principles they fought and died for and resolve to keep faith that our children will not have to suffer as we did. Remember the honored dead. Long may their memory live. Long may it live, said the crowd in unison, the first word spoken by them in many minutes. The united voices carried over the waters of the bay to the cliffs on the far side, and a few seconds later a, a more quiet long may it live echoed back, as though the bay and the cliffs themselves had voiced their concurrence. At the re echo's return, the high priest took his staff in both hands and tapped the ground at the base of two long-handled torches that were planted there for the ceremony. At his tapping, the torches sprang to light. Some in the crowd, newcomers to the region who had never participated in this ceremony before, or some who just caught, caught up in things easily, gasped softly. Glover smiled in amusement. That was a simple trick, involving use of carefully prepared powders in the torches that reacted to a swift vibration. But if one did not know about the powder, it could almost appear the torches had been lit by magic. Which was the point, of course. Mayor Higgins and the high priest each took up a torch and thrust it into the pyre. The wood had been carefully prepared, and it caught quickly. In a matter of moments, the pyre was fully aflame, casting a great light and heat, which forced the crowd to move back several paces. Mayor Higgins turned back to the crowd, smiling broadly. He made a gesture with both hands, and from behind the semicircle of citizens, bands began to play. Citizens, eat and be happy. Enjoy the bounty that their sacrifice made possible. On cue, the group took up a collective huzzah. Then the group began to split up. Some remained staring at the pyre for a time, consumed in their own thoughts. Many others turned, and talking amongst themselves, gradually increasing good cheer and boisterousness, made their way toward the bayside fairgrounds where tables were laid out and all food was prepared. Everyone had hand in the preparing the food for the day of fasting leading up to the ceremony, so everyone had a claim to the meal and was eager to partake. Glover and Talia were among those who watched the pyre for a time. Hand in hand, they watched as the carved effigies representing the armored dead were consumed, and one in particular, larger than the others, by a fair amount. Before it had caught fire, the effigy had been a powerful man whose face looked almost identical to Talia's. She sniffed and took a kerchief from her pocket, dabbing at her eyes. Grimly would have been so embarrassed by this, she said. Glover nodded, but smirked ever so slightly. He would have loved it all the same. You know, he liked attention. But not adoration. Glover thought to object, <clears throat> but thinking on it for a moment, decided Talia was right. His brother had been, her brother had been headstrong, always the first to fight, but always the first to laugh. He loved women and food and beer and being the center of the party, but it shied away from accolades. One time, he had actually hidden in the back of the stables to avoid being given an award for bravery. That's just how he was. Come, love, let's get some food. 
Talia nodded and sliding her arm into Glover's, walked with him to the fairgrounds. There, Glover procured two plates of food. Talia took a bottle of wine and two cups. They did not linger at the tables. Instead, they left the fairgrounds and made their way up a small hill nearby. From there, they had a commanding view of the fairgrounds, the pyre, and the bay, while also having a bit of privacy. They sat down on the grass at the top, and Glover set up their picnic. Then they settled down to eat. They were silent for a while. Glover looked over at Talia and wondered her, at her melancholy. Most new spring nights, she was jolly, but not this time. For whatever reason, she seemed to be feeling Grimley's lost almost as much as she had six years earlier. What do you suppose he would have thought of all this? Talia looked up at Glover, questioningly. He always loved New Spring. No, I mean, all of this. Glover swept his hand over the bay, the fairgrounds, and toward the city, a mile distant. How the world is now. Do you think he would approve? Talia frowned and sipped at her wine. I think so. Didn't ye and him dream of a day when we would rule ourselves, not be ruled over by lordlings whose only claim to power was an accident of birth? Glover shrugged. Not at first. You may recall I served one of those lordlings once upon a time. Talia smiled broadly. How can I forget? You were a sight to see in your armor, swept me right off my feet. And almost got my head cut off for it, too. One of Talia's eyebrows quirked upward. Glover felt himself flushing slightly, and he looked away. Your brother did not approve. She opened her mouth to object, and he raised a calming hand to her forestall her. At first, don't understand. You and Grimley were tighter than thieves. He loved you like a brother. Glover nodded. And I him. Eventually. Talia's lips pursed in that way they did when she was confused and was determined to figure out what had caused her, confused her even if it took a month. For a second, Glover considered changing the subject, but he knew that looked too well. He had planned to never tell her the story, but now there was no getting out of it. He said, well, you recall when we were walking out together? He and I barely knew each other. Talia nodded, but she became friends soon enough. Glover looked at her askance. We almost did not, until the morning... After your and I first full night together, <clears throat> Talia flushed, looking away girlishly. It was adorable how she still did that, even after all those years. Glover cleared his throat and continued. Till that morning, he and I had not really said more than three sentences to each other. I'm pretty sure he knew you and I were together, but not that it was serious. You almost lost a husband that morning. Talia's eyes widened in shock. Glover spoke quickly so he would, he would not interrupt the story before he could start it. I stepped out of Madame Nolte's shop and smiled, bouncing my purchase in my hand for a moment before tucking it into my belt pouch. Last night with Talia had been wondrous beyond my imaginings. Tonight promised to be even better. I tilted my face up into the early afternoon sunlight and breathed deeply. For a moment, I lost myself completely in the glory of it all. The best girl in the city, Lord, in the country, had given herself to me, promised to be mine. Life simply could not be better. There was nothing that could bring me down, not today. I stepped away from the shop and made my way through the crowded street toward the battlements, where I was due to take the watch in a quarter hour. Most people made way. My armor and sword and Lord Tenenbaum's coat of arms on my tabard were enough to ensure that. All the same, it was slow going. 
When I finally reached the steps leading up to city's inner wall, I only had a couple minutes before I had to take the watch. I took the steps two at a time and hurried toward the tower, not sparing a moment to look around, which is why I didn't notice Grimley's presence until he called out to me. Hold it right there. I stopped and turned around, knowing it was Grimley from his gravelly voice. I put on a smile of greeting, but it faded when I saw him. He wore the armor that his father had passed down to him, old, battered, but serviceable, and a scowl that would curdle milk. And he had his sword drawn, pointing right at my face. Grimly, I said calmly, why so mad? Grimly just snarled and surged forward, drawing his sword back to attack. I took a step back and drew my own blade, and he stopped, his eyes narrowing cautiously despite the naked fury burning within them. My mind raced. We'd not interacted very often, but things had always been cordial between us. Why, Talia did not come home last night. He practically spat the words at me. Oh, no. This was not good. How did he learn what had happened? Talia did not live at home with him anymore, but with two other young lady friends. And, and lady friends talk, and, and talk gets around. Ooh, this was not good at all. I really think we ought to talk about this, I said. Nothing to talk about, you bastard, he said as he advanced stalking toward me with the grace of a fighting man born and bred. I, on the other hand, was newer at combat arms than he. I had seen him in the ring, and I was quite sure he was my better. And if I allowed this to actually turn into a fight, he would not be pulling his swings or striking for points. There's a very good chance I was about to lose my head. I tried not to think on that, as I slipped to the right and retreated, keeping him at a comfortable distance. Or at least a safe one. Sure there is. He cut off my words with a swift attack leaping forward and swinging his blade at my head. I managed to duck beneath it and retreated again, but the city wall was getting close now. Your sister is a jewel, I said between breaths. That only enraged grimly even more, and he charged again, spittle flying. I would never dream of dishonoring her, I shouted as I left away. I was almost too slow this time. His sword cut through my tabard and nicked off my breastplate before I got out of the way. You will not touch her again, grimly roared. I continued backpedaling, but ran out of space as my back touched the crenellation atop the wall. There was only empty air behind me now until the moat three dozen feet down. This was definitely bad. But just then, I could not have cared about that, or the fact that Grimley was probably going to kill me. How dare he presume to dictate to me or to Talia? I glared at him. I'd say that's her decision, not yours. He snarled and wagged his sword at me. Me dad's dead. Till she's wed, I say what happens with her. I flexed my fingers on the grip of my sword. Talia would never forgive me if I hurt him, assuming I could, or him for hurting me. But really, Grimly? I shook my head. She's 23 years old, Grimly. Not like she's a maiden anymore. I knew instantly that was the wrong thing to say. It was one thing to know that your little sister is a grown woman who has needs, and another to have someone else straight out tell you that she's no virgin. Especially when that person was the man you were ready to skewer for deflowering her. <laughs> Talia giggled. Really? You thought you were my first? I wasn't? She rolled her eyes. Grimley's eyes widened. His nostrils flared with rage and he spat a curse. Shut your mouth, he screamed, and he charged straight at me full speed, his sword forgotten, as though to knock me over the wall. It was either stand there and be crushed, skewer him as he came, or get out of the way. I got out of the way. Out of the last possible instant, sidestepping to the right just before he hit me. He struck the wall instead, face first, and fell to the floor. For a moment, I thought he'd knocked himself out. Or 
maybe knock some sense into himself. But I was not that lucky. He shook his head groggily and pushed himself to his feet, then turned to face me again. His nose was bloodied and crooked. It was probably broken. You bastard! Grimly stalked forward again, his expression well past furious. Murder was in his eyes. But for some reason, I just could not help myself. I replied deadpan, I know who my father is. It's all legal and certified. Grimly blinked and cocked his head to the side, looking at me as though I had said the strangest, most confusing thing in the world. I took advantage of his momentary pause to retreat along the wall toward the tower, putting more space between us. There's no reason we can't be brothers, you know. I thought Grimly was enraged before. I was wrong. His face went positively beet red, and he actually began to drool he was so mad. What did I said? Your dad did not touch me ma, he screamed, and he charged again. He didn't think that. That he did, my love. I loved him like a brother, but good lord, he could be dense. Sometimes I'm not sure how he remembered to breathe. Talia giggled again, nodding a reluctant agreement. His statement took him completely by surprise, of course. He almost scared me before I remembered to back away again. I know that, I said in a rush. I meant your sister. One of Grimley's eyebrows quirked upward, and I could tell he was confused again. Huh? I glanced behind myself. I was running out of wall, but at least I was almost to the tower. Worst case, I could hide from him inside. Maybe he would cool off during my watch. I readied myself to dash to the tower door, but first gave talking one last try. I meant... How about I marry your sister? Grimly stopped completely. He blinked. You do that? I made a mental note not to tell Talia how incredulous he looked right then. She laughed out loud. Was it that bad? I love you have no idea. I said to him, of course I would, you oaf. She agreed to it last night. I reached into my belt pouch with my left hand and pulled out the package I got from Madame Nalty. I held it out to him. See? Grimly moved slowly, eyeing the package as though it were a venomous snake. Then he snatched it away, moving more quickly than I thought a man of his size could. He undid the tie and looked inside, and all the rage went out of him. He, first he looked dumbfounded. Then a big, silly grin spread on his face. Brother! he cried joyfully. Next thing I knew, he was crushing me in a great bear hug. I swear to God, I thought I heard him sniffle. And sure enough, when he released me and stepped back, there were tears in the big lug's eyes. And that, my love, that's how I got your brother's blessing for our marriage, Glover said. And how he and I became friends. Talia shook her head, still giggling. She ran her hand through her hair, and the light from the pyre below glinted off the ring on her finger. The same simple silver band Glover bought that day at Madame Nolte's, along with his mate, which he wore. Talia stretched for a moment, and the flickering light accentuated the bulge in her belly where their child lay growing, grimly if a boy, or Yelena, after Glover's grandmother, if a girl. She then snuggled back against Glover's side. He pulled her close, and she leaned her head on his shoulder. Together they sat on the hilltop and looked down at the wide bay and the pyre at its edge, and they let the night's remembrances wash over them. After a time, they stood and picked up their belongings, making ready to go home. Before they left, they said a prayer of thanks for the honored dead, but worst of all for Grimley, a brother in blood, a brother-in-law, and a great man.
So I, I wrote the core of that story, geez, six years ago now, when I first came up uh, to Oregon uh, for a writing workshop here. It's a workshop called Character, Voice, and Setting. Um, about just what it sounds like, how to do uh, the deep setting that draws people in, how to give your characters a real voice so they stand out and, and uh, so they seem like people. And one of the assignments during that work workshop was to do a fast-paced um, one-liner, fast-paced, uh, quick little uh, vignette, um, fast-paced, you know, that goes snap, boom, 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 and uh, like one quick line, one quick line, one quick line, one quick line to go fast through the thing. And the whole, uh, the duel between Grimley and Glover on the battlements was that now i fleshed it out since then because it was li literally you know grimly hacked at me i backed away your sister's a jewel he hacked at me again i backed away i wouldn't dream of deflowering her you know and uh, i added some more you know, details to make this story but i liked the initial uh thing i did i thought it was fun fun i ended with him i ended the initial uh th vignette with uh the line made a point not to tell Talia how stupid and how incredulously he looked right then. And, and I thought it was a kind of a fun little thing. I tried, eh, couldn't figure out how to put it into a story. And then just when I was on, actually when I was in Okinawa, uh, doing some training, giving some training to some Navy units there, I uh, had a little free time and I was coming up on the Riders of the Future deadline. And I had that vignette. And I uh, just was like, ah, let's do something with it. And I wrote the frame around it, the uh, the, py the pyre and the ceremony and the discussion at the end, and and beefed up the 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 duel. And then there you go, there you got it. Boom, worked out great. This minute to write as the future. I don't remember how it did. If it, I think it might have been the one of the ones that got an honorable mention. I'd have to go back and look. But um, eventually, I ended up. Uh, uh, publishing it as part of one of my short story, 10-pack, and uh, obviously singularly, and it made it a little audiobook out of it that you can get through, through Audible and Amazon and iTunes. And once it's not exclusive, every other place you can get audiobooks in the world. Anyway, um, so that one is quite a bit newer than uh, the last couple ones, like the zombie story and... Uh, Lords of the Remnant and uh, uh, Rescue Damsel in Distress, which I've done in weeks past. Um, and I hope you can see a little bit of development in my writing ability since then. I've obviously, you got more stuff that's even newer than that. Um, done more recently than that. Uh, a bunch of short stories that. Um, the short stories I have that are newer than that, a lot of them are still making the rounds through a lot of the submission circle things. And, and frankly, a lot of the other stories are, you know, novelette or novella length, which means, you know, 7,500 words or longer, which if you're doing an audio book, your narrator will tell you 9,000 words takes about an hour. This story was 3,400 words. And so, you know, this whole video is going to end up being a half hour or so. Um, with you and take the beginning of the end and, and, all the, and other stuff into account. Uh, so if I do one of those longer ones, it's either going to be a 
episode of more than an hour or I have to break it up in multiple parts. I think I'm going to break it up into multiple parts because, well, just because. Anyway, but that's neither here nor from there for now. Hope you liked this one. If you did, oh, obviously, let me know. Send me an email. Go by the website. You can fit. There's contact form there at michaelkingswood.com. You can, of course, go buy a copy of the story. You've already heard it, but you can still buy it. At my SSNstorytelling.com is my business site with my um, web store where all the money goes to me, except for like, you know, 5% or 5% fee from, from PayPal and WooCommerce. So uh, better, much better than the rates I get going through Amazon the other places is those places. It's, you know, I don't I'm only charge 99 cents for it, and then they just 35 or 35 or 40% of the money goes to me whereas this way all of it goes to me and you go through this great service called book funnel which will put it on your kindle or your ipad or whatever for you and be real easy so i'd prefer you go that way plus you can pay with bitcoin there too if you want i prefer you do that way but if you really have to go to the other online bookstores you can you can find it everywhere and like i said audiobook if you really want to hear somebody else read it who's more competent than me um yeah if you um, otherwise, come make sure you, if you haven't subscribed here, subscribe. Haven't told anybody about the podcast or videos and me yet. Please do. And we'll come back next week. Oh, yeah. Don't forget Patreon if you want to. It's all good. Anyway, and uh, obviously I have tips. Um, that's all I've got for now. Hope, uh, let me know what you think. And we'll see you next week. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. That'll do it for this episode of Storytime with Michael Kingswood. Come by my website, michaelkingswood.com, for information about my work. There you can sign up for a newsletter where I tell about new releases and special promotions. Guaranteed to be spam-free. Or just drop me an email at michael at michaelkingswood.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. If you really like my stuff and feel like giving me a buck, drop by Patreon and sign up to be a patron. As always, if you like today's story, be sure to leave a review on your favorite online bookstore and share this podcast with all your friends. This production is copyright Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. <laughs>